Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the mayor, Heath Sheeran, and the host of this podcast. I'm excited today because you're here hanging out with me. It's another exciting episode. I got a great guest today. I got amazing listeners, and I've got amazing sponsors. You know, the insurance market has had a lot of changes taking place, especially in the last 18 months. There's frustration from lots of agents with hardening market and product changes from the carriers. If you're an independent agent who needs more options for your customers, or maybe you're a captive and you're frustrated with the rate changes and not being able to close sales with lots of leads that come your way, an agency network like Smart Choice is going to be the way to go for you. Several agents have shared with me how dramatically their close ratio increased when they transitioned from captive to independent using smart choice, all because they had different options to offer their clients. One agent even said they told me they were closing 15 to 20% of the leads before he made the switch to smart choice. Now he's closing 75 to 80%. They're really a full service program. They've got access to all of the major PNC names, programs to help you write commercial life, ENS and specialty. And they're adding new carriers every day. They're adding other cool technology every day. They're national. They've got experienced reps in every single state, and they know insurance market inside and out. Go to smartchoiceagents.com and check it out. Also, I got to talk to you about my friends over at Canopy Connect. You know I love these guys. You know they mean a lot to me and my show because they were my first sponsor to come on, and they do such a great job continuing every single week to to just get better at what they do and they're adding staff and they're they're adding you know technology they're adding integrations they're adding so much more for you the independent agent they're your one click solution to getting all those deck pages you need to quote your prospect go to usecanopy.com and and check out their product get a demo tell them the mayor sent you get your discount it's awesome today guys I am super excited because we've got, like I said earlier, an amazing guest to hang out with us today in Insurance Town. I'm talking about my man, Brett Young, CEO of Urban Young. His main thing, he wants you to be extraordinary, and uh, he wants to help agents out there as well as his clients. Uh, He's got a great culture. You're going to hear about some of that. I want you to hear everything you can, so I'm going to get out of the way. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Brett Young. What's going on, Brett Young? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Man, I am good. I was going to say this off air, but I got to say it on. Y'all guys never see it. This guy, you're a good looking fella, bro. Dude. (laughs) You put me on the spot, man. Dude, bro. (laughs) I I didn't, you know, when you came on the Zoom, like, let me see if I can get this up. And I'm like, this dude's got to go. He's he's a good salesman and he's good looking. Oh, you're a good dude, man. Haters going to hate, though, but uh, you look good, though. (laughs) Thanks, you brother. Good, yeah, uh, I shine my shoes today. I knew I was going to be uh, on the yeah, podcast. Bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, we got this uh, bro love going on now. Let's. Uh, that's right. Let's take a little walk down memory lane. And let's talk about, you know, you, how you got into business. Uh, well, actually, you just take it wherever you want to go with it, man. It's your world. We're living in it. Dude, you're awesome, man. Um, man, how I got in the business. I always love I, I love that about your podcast because, you know, I kind of draw from that because everybody comes, comes to the business from a different perspective and a different angle and different experience. And, um, 
you know, you have some guys that come into the business and do unbelievably well really early, but they paid their dues in a past business. You know, nobody sees that. So uh, it's easy to look at somebody for face value and say, well, how'd they do that? And it's like, no, they did the work a long time ago. Uh, they just applied it to a different space. But um, man, I got into the insurance business, what, 14 years now, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe, yeah, 15 years now. So back in uh, 2006, um, I was in college and I got introduced to a, like a direct sales uh, insurance product, more like a supplemental benefit. Um, and I got tied into that. I learned a lot just from mentors of mine that were, um, you know, taught me about residual income, taught me about leveraged income, taught me about the space, the business. Um, and then, you know, kind of progressed through there, learned the team building aspect, uh, built a small organization. And then um, I was kind of going to lunch breaks all over the state and meeting people for their lunch breaks and trying to, you know, obviously pin down some times to, uh, to show them the product. And just personally for me, uh, I kind of got a little burnout where I said, there's gotta be a better way. Um, that just wasn't fitting my eye. Um, so I decided to get in the property and casualty space and that was probably, man, 11 and a half years ago. Um, so I, 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 I got online and looked for, uh, it's funny. So it says, how'd you find your first job? I went to Craigslist ads. I looked for a producer commission only, you know, give me a spear and let me go hunt job. Cause that's what I had done my whole, you know, my career as far as entrepreneurship and, uh, got a 220 and went to work for a, a small little shop, you know, in, in a close, uh, neighboring city and started slinging it, man. So yeah, they worked there for about almost two years. Uh, well, actually about a year and a half. And uh, it didn't work out. Uh, unfortunately, some things didn't go the way that they uh, were intended to. Um, so I had this crazy idea that we would, uh, I had built a team at the time to, to, to work at that, org- at that, at that agency. Um, so I felt a little bit responsible for those, those guys uh, for kind of, you know, changing their lives and coming over and kind of doing this whole crazy thing. And so it was kind of a, a really a moral conflict that I had. Um, so we went and I was never looking to start an agency. Uh, I was looking to just, um, I, I just love team building. I love, uh, I just love that, that camaraderie. So I went, I looked at some of the bigger shops and uh, some of the, the larger corporate uh, giants in our business uh, that all of us know. And I just, you know, I, cause I was coming from a smaller agency, a mom and pop agency. And, um, and man, I just, I was just really turned off for me. It just didn't fit. Uh, it was very good cop, bad cop in those job interviews. Um, it was, um, not what, uh, I had wanted, which was freedom, which was lifestyle and the ability to build a book of business and and be able to maintain those relationships and, and have some flexibility later in life. And, uh, so after I went and did that whole deal, I said, man, I was really discouraged. I'm like, I don't, want to, I didn't feel comfortable bringing the team to these organizations because I just didn't feel like they fit the, the values that, 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 that personally that I had. Um, and during this time, um, my current, one of my current business partner, his wife was part of that team. So we had a lot of dialogue as far as, you know, what this would look like. It wasn't just my decision. And finally we looked at each other and said, well, what would happen if we started our own agency? And, um, ignorance on fire, not knowing really much at all. Uh, keep in mind, I've only been in the property and casualty space for 13 months. Um, and we decided that we were going to start our own agency. And, uh, I, I recruited my brother on a Chipotle lunch, um, cause he was getting out of school. He was, he was easy pickings. He didn't like the, uh, uh, the, uh, internship that he's just come out of for college. So I was, uh, I was, I was predatory and I grabbed him early 
And uh, so the three of us, um, you know, rolled up our sleeves and decided to, to take a crack at it. And, and I laugh because I say it's the, it's, the, it's the smartest, dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. If I would have known how hard it was to do it, I, I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, but that's kind of the cool thing about, you know, when you do something that's worth you know, doing is that if you really knew how hard it was going to be, you wouldn't start the journey. But as long as you start the journey, you know, and you get, you get, you know, far enough along the way, turning around just seems almost more exhausting than keeping, you know, to keep going. So um, that's kind of what happened. So for three years, we built it and uh, candidly, uh, just, you know, we, we barely made it and uh, we didn't know who we were. We were still trying to figure it out. And after about three and a half years, caught some stride. Um, fast forward today, we've built a, a, a pretty solid agency in multiple different markets. We have about 25 staff members. Um, and it's been a, it's been a really cool ride and I'm super proud of not, not, not just the business we built, but the partnership along the way and the team that we've been able to assemble. Dude, what a great story. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of stuff to unpack in there. So, um, first of all, Craigslist, man, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that takes me back, man. I haven't got on Craigslist or seen a Craigslist, you know, website in forever. Were you listening to Napster back yeah, then? Too? Right, exactly. <laughs> no, but you know, I wanted to jump in for a minute when you talk about freedom and the other agency you were with wasn't, you know, giving you that freedom. And there's a lot of people I guarantee you listen to this right now that uh, are probably saying the same thing or thinking the same thing about that freedom. But uh, what do you think um, causes you to feel that way? I mean, what in that was making you feel like you didn't have that freedom? What were you yearning for? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I, and to be fair, I don't think I was there long enough to, to, to really uh, realize that. But candidly, you know, I had obviously the reason I looked for a commission only job is because I just believe profits are better than wages, right? I, I, I believe that I want to be paid what I'm worth and I, I'm willing to jump in that boat. Um, and if it's, if it's a, if it's a big boat or a small boat, it's my boat and it's whatever I decided to be. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the entrepreneur in me. But the reason I wanted to do that was because, you know, it, everything costs something. And if I'm willing to, you know, do a hundred percent commission and, and build a business with somebody, I should have the autonomy and the flexibility uh, to, 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 to have that and, and to do that. But also, um, you know, I'm building something with somebody, but also for myself. And th th that agreement was very simple. It was, I was going to own a portion of my book um, and there was going to be a non-compete. Of course, I signed a non-compete early on in my life and I didn't get the book ownership in writing. And then, you know, 13 months into that deal, they kind of changed it on me verbally and said, oh, we, we, we're, we're just kidding. We're, we're going to need you to get to a certain level and then we're going to give that to you. And so keep in mind, I moved to that city with my new wife. Um, I made $14,000 my first year. I'd still trying to figure out what a deck page was six months into the deal. I was, you know, I was still on my parents' policy at the time. Um, you know, uh, so I, there was a learning curve. And for me, philosophically, if I'm willing to take that risk and I'm willing to take that burden, I'm only going to do it if I have that upside. And once that upside was changed on me uh, against what we had talked about, not only just from a structural standpoint, but also just from a philosophical integrity standpoint, you know, I, I, I knew that wasn't going to be a place that I could park, you know, park my flag. Yeah, no, I get it. And that's a, a lot of people's story. Uh, when I've got, you know, listeners that call me or that text me or reach out to me, they were told by somebody uh, that they were going to have an ownership or have a part or a piece. Do you think that's something that's, uh, uh, done purposefully, or do you think that there's ill intent there, or do you think that these 
owners really do feel like they're going to give that ownership away someday. And then once they see, oh, Brett's good at this, you know, he's building us a book. Maybe yeah. we don't want to give him that. Or do you think it's just coincidence with the 30 or 40 that have reached out to me about it? Yeah, I, I think I think it's different for every person. I, I think in this situation, um, it was a second generation perpetuation. And I think there was an identity crisis of they didn't know who they were. And they didn't know how to structure it. They knew they had wanted a salesperson. Um, I was that was I think I was the only person that wasn't family coming in as an outside producer. So I think there was a lot of trying to figure it out. And you know, uh, I keep in mind I had not only brought myself over, but I had brought over other people, and we were building a pretty good team. And um, I think they talked to maybe somebody else that's been in the business and said, "Oh, well, you shouldn't have structured it this way. You should have structured it this way." And where I would go, okay, well, that's great. Then go hire two, three, four other ones and do it with them. But you need to honor the commitments that you made. I just think a lot of times we get people in our head and it happens to me all the time. Like I structure some things in my own agency and then I'll listen to a podcast and I'll go, well, why didn't I listen to that podcast before I did that? You know, like that's great information. But at the same time, like what's more important, right? The integrity and the relationships that you have with people is what, you know, at the end of the day, that's what builds big brands. That's what builds reputation. That's what builds livelihood. So I, I think in this particular scenario, and I think in a lot of scenarios, as operators, we're figuring things out as we go. It would be fun to think that we have it all figured out and we're just operating from a playbook, but especially in the independent insurance agency world, all of us do things a little differently. And we take from things that we like and we don't, you know, we remove stuff that maybe doesn't work for us or that we don't like, but it's always changing. It's always bending and ebb and flowing. So I think a lot of times it, what sounds good on paper in practicality just doesn't make sense. Uh, people change their minds and, you know, there's a fear that this is not going to work out well for me in the end. So I need to figure out a way to, to change it. And I think this just takes integrity. And unfortunately, sometimes I think that can be sometimes misguided when there's money involved. Um, but I think every scenario is different, but ultimately I think it's just, we're all still trying to figure it out. And, you know, sometimes that, that there's collateral damage, unfortunately from that. Yeah. I think there's too much collateral damage in that. And it's a sad story to hear from whoever it might be, but okay. So Let's talk about real quickly before we dive into some other meat here, just to give some context. And I'm interested to know because I'm nosy, but uh, whenever you were first getting started, you and your partner and your brother uh, and whoever team members you had, did y'all jump straight into personal lines? Were you looking more commercial or were you, you know, just start off with any markets? What was your struggle like back then? Let's dive in for a few minutes on that a minute. Yeah, great question. So um, we did we did join an aggregator when we started. Uh, I was smart enough to figure out that this might be a little difficult to uh, uh, go shake my tin cup, not only to clients, but also to carriers. So we did join an aggregator and that's been a great relationship. Um, we're one of their top agents here in the in the in the, the state. Um Having said that, you know, there are some challenges that come with that. It's pros and cons. So, but we did do that. That was great. And we started in the personal line side of the business because that's where I had some experience uh, at my past agency. I hadn't, I just dabbled with commercial a little bit. It was more complex. Keep in mind that I was still on a learning curve, you know, and I also brought in two people that didn't know the insurance business. So we started from scratch, not only with a year of experience in the PNC business, but also my two partners had no experience. Um, so not the best recipe uh, for success, but you know you you spend a lot of late nights figuring it out. So 
Um, so we started with personal lines and candidly, it was just relationships. It was just like, who do you know? Make a list, contact that list, tell a story. Um, and our story was compelling. You know, I, we, we tell still to this day, I still believe that your story is your, your most powerful weapon. You know, like uh, it's relatable if it, it's for you're, you're in the business for a reason. If you have a strong reason as to why it's important to you, people feed off that. And we just continued to tell that story where we wanted, uh, we went to the big farms and that the, the, they did, you know, those, they, there was a high tech, you know, big monsters out there that, that do a great job, but they weren't really that, that feel that mom and pop feel relationship, you know, standpoint. And then you had the mom and pops that were really small that were still working off you know spreadsheets and still working off paper files. And, and there really wasn't that, that ease of business for the customer. And we, 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 you know, sought out to kind of bridge the gap and kind of create something, a modern independent, uh, you know, community, you know, relationship driven agency. So that was the story. We just kept telling that story over and over and over again. Um, so did that for about a year, a year and a half, um, ha- had some traction, but obviously if you've been in this space, you know, for more than a day, you understand that personal lines is, is a volume game. Like you, you've got to have some significant volume to be able to, to build a, a, a sustainable business. So after about a year, we looked at each other and said, holy smokes, like, is this going to work? You know, like th- this, this, this seems like this isn't going in the best direction. Um, so at that point, we had to get a little bit more strategic. So uh, we split roles. I think that's a big thing. If you have partners or you have somebody in the beginning, you're starting from scratch. I think a lot of times we all just do everything. Um, we're afraid to have some hierarchy. We're afraid to set delegated responsibilities for what it would mean to our ego. Um, yes, you can do everything. We know everybody can do everything, but that doesn't mean it's the right thing to do, right? Like, you know, we need to, we need to delegate, divide, conquer, and be synergistic. One plus one should equal three, not two. Um, so we did that. And at that point, um, Susan Erb, who um, is the uh, spouse of my business partner, Rod, who was in the business in the beginning, um, she decided that she was going to go out and, and drum up referral partners. And so we went out and we started you know, uh, telling that same story to referral partners. So any, anybody and everybody in the real estate space. And at that point, um, my brother was doing a, a lot of the quoting. Um, and then I was doing a lot of the sales and the, the, the back office management stuff. So we kind of delegated responsibility responsibilities. And then we started to catch some good traction. Uh, we had some steady flow. Uh, every day there was opportunities that didn't require us to, to, to literally make outbound dials. And at that point, uh, we started to catch some traction and said, okay, there's something here and we can actually, we could, we could develop a business around this and scale this. And I think that was about the three-year mark, uh, probably two, three-year mark where we started to see some traction and said, okay, this is kind of the way that we're going to go. Um, and from there, you know, we just started to staff up and started to put some more resources to that and just built on it. Yeah. So that's cool. I appreciate you telling me that. Um, because like I said, I am nosy and I wanted to know, and I wanted to build that, you know, uh, put people know about you a little bit more. And, uh, so with that, uh, where, okay. So back then it was you, Susan, you know, your partners, your brother, you know, the whole nine, where are you at now as far as staff goes? And are you still heavily on personal lines or what's that split look like now? Yeah. Good question. So about four years into it, <clears throat> um, 
Rod Herb, who's my partner, who's Susan's husband, um, he had a big medical sales job and he had always been my partner in multiple businesses, but he was more of the the silent partner in this just until he could bridge the gap and, and, and do the income thing. And at that point, um, we were ready to move into the commercial space and his background was, you know, bigger, bigger contracts and big accounts, um, you know, he, he, he likes to go after some big stuff. That's kind of his, his forte. He ran a couple, couple big sales teams and has a big, big pedigree. And at that point, it was like, all right, we're ready to enter the commercial space. We've got a good personal lines base. We have the markets for commercial. Um, I had dabbled with it for the last three years, writing small stuff for personal lines clients. And we made a decision at that point to split the business. Um, and so right now, uh, and then actually Susan exited and Rod came into the, into the picture. They kind of swapped and Rod... Uh, uh, in turn became in charge of the commercial line side of our business. And then Taylor took personal lines. Um, and at that point we started to build out a business inside of a business. Cause as you know, they're very different, right? They operate very different. The service is very different. Uh, the way that you manage clients is very different. Um, prospecting for us as far as the machine of how people walk in the door and how we create the phones to ring is very different. So we, that was a big moment for us that said, okay, wait, we have traction with this personal lines thing. We actually found something that works. It's working. Do we really want to invest all the extra resources to do something that we don't know how to do again, instead of <laughs> taking those resources to put it in what works? And honestly, from a business standpoint, I look at it and say it wasn't that smart of a decision um, at the time, but the three of us wanted to work together. That was the real, that's the real synergy with starting the agency was the three of us have really good chemistry. We all have very different personality traits, different attributes that we that complement each other. And that was the way to kind of get the tripod to work, um, especially to get Rod into the business. So you know, that was one of those decisions that wasn't necessarily uh, a smart financial decision at the time because we kind of had to slow down to speed up. But now I look at it and I'm super thankful, super thankful because we're about, we're about 30% commercial, 70% personal lines. Um, we have about, I don't know, five or six team members on the commercial side, uh, 18, 19 on the personal line side. Um, and, you know, our commercial side has, has seen some significant growth here and has continued to get better and better. Um, but it's nice to have two, you know, two dogs in the fight now. It's nice to have that diversification. Um, you know, it's, it's a big deal. Makes makes you sleep better at night. Um, it also allows you to, to take opportunities that maybe you didn't take before. Um, specifically right now, we're, we're, we're heavy in recruiting. Uh, so when you come across a really good commercial producer, you have the resources to be able to house them. You have the opportunities, the carriers, um, the systems, the, the staff. Whereas before, you can't just start that overnight, right? That doesn't, you can't just say, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. It takes years to build that. So we're, so we're, we're about a third commercial um, split right now for personal lines. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that you know, kind of works out over the next couple of years. I'd love that to be a 50, 50 split. So, yeah. But. So as you were, as you've said several times and you're figuring it out, uh, I like that. Um, uh, how you doing guy? Uh, anyway, you can't hear me, but uh, uh, as you were figuring it out in the, uh, in the commercial game and the personal lines, once you got that figured out, what was that like in the, uh, the commercial spot, figuring it out? You know, was there some bumps on, I know you said you start off the hospital. Was there any other niches you graduate, graduate, Wait, gravitated that's the word gravitated towards or was it more of you know we're going to be generalists till we land in something how intentional were you there you know that's a great question um i'll, I'll be vulnerable because i feel like that's you know that's when i listen to these podcasts i'm, I'm looking for people to to kind of give you know I, we're all 
I mean, I, the way I feel like is I'm always trying to figure it out. Like we were saying in here, I'm trying to be a white belt at all times, right? I'm, 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 I have an open mind, be curious all the time. So, but, um, you know, it, at first it was just literally writing bops for personal lines clients, right? They say, Hey, I have a business. Um, can you help me? And the answer was, well, of course, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at first it was really just servicing the current book of business that we have. Um, and then after that, you know, now you're like, okay, well, let's scale this thing. Let's figure out, we've got something that works. Let's build it, build it. Um, and we just did the same thing we did when we first started Personal Lines Watch. We made a list. We looked at the relationships that we currently have. Um, Rod came from the medical field, so he had a lot of relationships in that space. Um, but candidly, it came from everywhere. And then we literally just called everybody that we knew and we would continually just tell our story over and over and over and over again. It resonated with some, it didn't resonate with others. And we started to just write stuff from all over the place. So I would love to say that we got niche specific and candidly, we're still trying to figure out where our specific niches are. Um, I, I wish that we had that more dialed in, but candidly, we write anything from hospitality. We write a lot of contractors, commercial properties here, huge here in the state of Florida. We do write that. We write habitational, um, you know, uh, you know, we, we have some medical space stuff that, you know, uh, behavioral hospitals. I mean, we, we write some golf courses. We do, we do a bunch of stuff and, you know, we haven't figured out that niche niche space yet because we're such a relationship based community driven agency that a lot of our marketing strategy and where we come from is, is literally um, just projecting that story, telling who we are. And then anybody that wants to be part of that just seems to be attracted to, to what we're doing. And then we have the markets and, and, and once you write something one or two times, you know, it's, it's easier to figure it out. So, but I wish we, I wish we were a little more niche just because we could get more targeted, maybe have a little bit better of an opportunity to, to pull in some different producers that kind of, uh, that niche those spaces. But right now we're still trying to figure out what that is for us. Yeah. I find that super fascinating and, and we may get into story time with the mayor here in a minute, but I, um, I did find, you know, the same thing when I was a commercial producer trying to build a niche. And I found that a lot of times you stumble into niches that you don't mean to get into. And you may have a story in that too, but I remember building a relationship with a local realtor here in Little Rock, Arkansas. And, um, she was uh, from uh, somewhere over in China area. And so she had a lot of clients, you know, in that area and a lot of, you know, people in there that own Chinese restaurants, massage parlors, you know, they'd be, you know, nail salons, things like that. You know, I looked up six, eight months later and a majority of my clientele were coming from that. Yeah, they were small accounts, but over time they built and I was like, how in the world? And I'm starting to learn Chinese, you know, and I'm downloading apps. And That's amazing. Google translate. <laughs> yes. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I had Google translate texting. You know, I never spoke to him very much. I got Babel. I tried everything, you know, Rosetta stone. I tried everything. And here I am learning Mandarin and learning how to do this, but it built a niche. That I never intended to build at all. And I, don't, I wonder if you ran anything like that, if there was any kind of unintended niches that you kind of fell into. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I don't think there's been any unintended. I think uh, here in my, my background, I was a hospitality management major in college. And so, I, you know, I, I, I dabbled in that until I figured out that, you know, I was an entrepreneur before I went to college. I was an entrepreneur right in college. I was an entrepreneur out, after college, but my degree was in that. So I understand it enough to be dangerous and I, I understand that business. So I I didn't necessarily gravitate towards prospecting that, 
but I think I wrote a couple accounts and then because you do a really good job and you can relate, you start to get a lot of referrals in that space. So I think that was one that I, I, I fell into. I, I'm not in, I'm not producing as much nowadays um, just with my role, but I, when I was in it, you know, I would get a lot of traffic in that space just because I think once you gain some momentum, you know, people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust, and they ask the same people in their industry. So if you write one business in that space, and for me, what happened, I'd write a restaurant, they knew 15 people that own restaurants, right? And they would ask them, who do you know? Right? And I would get those referrals, which is fun in our business, because once you start writing something, it's, it's easier to write a piece of business once you've written a piece of business, right? It's easier to write another piece once you've written five pieces of business. And once you've written a thousand pieces of business, it's way easier to write the next piece of business, which is exciting. Um, so that was one that I fell into. Um, Rod, my partner, um, the behavioral health space is one that he's fallen into pretty, pretty, pretty heavily. Um, he had some background in that space. He was um, he provided some services for those behavioral hospitals. So a lot of those CEOs knew him in his past life um, and, you know, just natural progression and transition. They said, well, Hey, now that you're in the insurance business, can you help us? And he said, well, of course, I know your business. I know all your exposures. I know the issues that you deal with. It's very easy for me to have that insurance conversation. So I think those are two niches that we fell into, both of us. Um, but at the same time, you know, they were kind of near and dear to our heart. We knew those businesses. So I don't know if that answers your question, but those would be maybe no, two. No, no, no. You're good. Uh, I like it. Uh, what I do want to get into, I'm glad you brought up the hospitality space because where you're at in, in uh, Orlando or around that, you know, right? Orlando? Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're in hospitality heaven right there. You've got restaurants. You've got two big theme parks. You've got, you've got everything there. My wife and I were just in Orlando not too long ago and loved it. And um, you actually got to ride in this little gondola thing down to, uh, yeah, you know, whatever you call that. Not Disney oh. World, but the other one. Uh, Universal Studios. Had a yeah. great time, dude. It was super cool. Um, never been before. I'll go back for sure. Uh, sidetrack. I got ADHD. Sorry, bro. But I do want to get into. Um, so when you're talking about that, you know, Florida back then versus now, things have changed over there in Florida. Uh, the market's changed. The market looks different. Um, not only, you know, with, you know, rates and changes there, but just the industry in general. Talk to me about that. I know that's a pain point for you right now. I'd love for you to get into that a minute. Hey guys, sorry, not sorry. Had to interrupt you a little bit because I had to talk to you about my good friends over at Cover Desk. I'm so proud that they are a sponsor of this show. The Cover Desk model is a win-win to help you grow your business. With their highly skilled team of virtual assistants, you immediately eliminate the burden of administrative tasks and lower your overhead costs without sacrificing customer support. The clients get the help they need when they need it. Their virtual assistants are fully dedicated to you, the agency, supporting your business, your clients, your growth, providing the service your clients deserve. This allows you to focus on building the agency and cultivating the business. CoverDesk virtual assistants can handle these tasks, you know, saving you significant time because they've been through specific insurance training Andy puts on so that they know how to speak our language. This, like I said earlier, is a win-win, a win-win situation and a win-win for your agency. Go to CoverDesk.com or email hello at CoverDesk.com to learn more information and get a demo. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Um, 
yeah, Florida's just a different beast in general. I mean, I, you know, and and it's probably naive for me to say that, but because I've only written Florida. I mean, we write we write in some other states, and we do some service for existing clients, so I have some experience on what that looks like. But you know, not as many as probably some multi office uh, agents that have you know Florida offices and all over the country. But from anybody and everybody I've spoke with, in my little experience, you know, it's just a it's just a different world as far as volatility down here. Um, the carriers are always changing. The, 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 the appetite is always changing. Uh, the, the, who's, you know, who's available and who's not available changes. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're more worried about somebody staying in business than you are about what their rates are. Um, it's just a different market. And I'm talking specifically with property. Um, and right now the hottest thing in, 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 in Florida, if you speak with any agent is it, the homeowner's insurance market is just an absolute disaster. It's a dumpster fire. It's uh you know, rates have been suppressed for a really long time. Uh, in my opinion, I think carriers got greedy five years ago and just kept undercutting each other for market share. And it's one of those things where the pendulum doesn't swing until it swings and then it swings all the way. Right. And these rates didn't go. These rates didn't go to where they needed to go until carriers are in trouble. And then once they're in trouble, it's too late. Um, so and again, that's just my opinion. So we've got a really dynamic marketplace where a lot of these uh, domiciled homeowners insurance carriers are not uh, fiscally uh, sufficient to be able to continue to write in the state. So there is a masses, mass exodus of just non-renewals happening all the time. So we've got this large book of business and we'll get notification that 250 policies are being non-renewed in the next 60 days. You know, so as you can imagine, as an agency owner, right, the, 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 we've had to build processes around when this happens. Um, and I'm very proud of the team because these are, these are systems and, and processes that have been born out of necessity and out of uh, taking a step back and saying, well, what are we going to do about this? And I think a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of operators um, who aren't to scale, um, which is a big thing. If you're not at to scale in Florida right now, you're feeling a significant amount of pressure. Um, it's so important to have a, a, a complete team at this aspect because the, the the volatility is just too ridiculous. But they've built these processes, these systems, as a result of you know how do I how do I overcome this instead of this can't be overcome. Um, so there's a lot of complaining. There's a lot of you know turmoil or a lot of um, uh, negativity surrounding. Uh, the agent pool right now in Florida um, with just churning business, right? Rewriting all these policies. However, there's never, in my opinion, I, I, we, we, we try to teach how to think here at Urban Young. We might not be the best on how to do things. Like from a how-to standpoint, I'm sure there's a bunch of agencies that run circles around us. But where I think we excel, and I'm very proud of this leadership team, is we are preaching how to approach things instead of necessarily which mouse buttons you need to click. And exactly, if we can if we can reshape the way people approach things, then ultimately we can come up with creative innovation that uh, that we wouldn't come up with just because we have the same perspective. We see it every day. That means we miss it every day. And some of the newer team members came in here and say, hey, man, what if we shifted a couple of these things? Um, and we've had some significant success, but there, there's secondary consequences to everything, right? So it, you were having shrinking commissions, right? I, just last week, we had another carrier reduce uh, renewal commission by 20%. Um, and that's the sixth one in the last you know two months. So in, in a business that's already been stretched for margins, we're continuing to get squeezed. And so on the surface, that's a bad thing. 
On the surface, that looks like doom and gloom. But the reality is there has never been, in my career, there has never been more of a displacement of policies in Florida. Almost everybody in the state is shopping their insurance right now. And if they are not shopping their insurance, just wait. They will, because when their renewal comes in, they'll be asking who's the insurance agent that they're, that they're talking to. So our call volume's gone up. Sales has gone up. We're having the best year that we've ever had on the sales side. But so many agents are so busy blocking and servicing and playing defense that they can't get to this massive gold rush that's taking place. So again, how to think you know, the, the, the conversation and the mantra that we're having in this office is what a blessing, what an incredible problem to have, right? Because if we're feeling the squeeze, if it's hard for us, it's just as hard for our competitors, right? So it's one of those situations where you line up for a race and you go, hell or high water, I'm going to get to the end and I'm going to beat the other competitor, no matter how bad I'm hurting, you know? So I think it's a really fun time to be in the insurance space in our business here in Florida, because you're going to see what people are made of. Um, and you're going to see what the, 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 their philosophies on how they approach things. Are, are they trying to hold on to what they have or are they looking to take advantage of the fact that all these people are looking for a new home? Yeah, I, I love that you have that positive mindset of what a blessing. But I want to rewind a minute. When you're talking about, you know, this sounds to me in Florida at least, and you've recognized this, it's more than just hard market, soft market. This is pretty specific to Florida. But with that being said, you know, we all across the country deal with soft markets versus hard markets. What, uh, what would you say, you know, other than, you know, obviously your positive message that you just told us, any other lessons that you've learned from this on how to deal with hard market versus soft market? Any things you could share with us? Because we all deal with it and we all want to complain. And I love what you said earlier. Now, give me a minute. I'm rambling. And then I'll let you answer. Um, so I've been sitting here too quiet for too long. Now I get to talk. I'm going to talk. <laughs> but... Uh, it's my show, baby. But no, uh, <laughs> I will say this, you know, what you said earlier really resonated because I see too many agencies that will, like you said, they'll block the back door and they won't worry about new business. But then on the flip side, you got agencies that won't watch the back door at all. Mm. And all they care about is getting out there and let's take advantage of the gold rush. And at the right. same time, they're losing 30% of their clients out the back door. Mm. So what kind of things can you talk about there and what kind of advice can you give or what kind of just things have you seen you could help us with now I'll let you talk. <laughs> yeah, man. When you talk, I listen. I love, I love, I love your stuff. Um, man. So a couple things. Um, number one, when I first got in the business, people would say hard market and soft market. I didn't understand that. So let me take a moment to kind of explain you from my perspective, soft market, meaning, underwriting guidelines are relaxed. It's very easy to place business. There are many, many options. And therefore, if there are many options, just supply and demand, prices usually will stay neutral or go down just because of the uh, abundance of options for the consumer. A hard market is one of those situations where it's the quite opposite, right? The guidelines harden, they tightened, they get restrictive. And because that they get strictive, restrictive, sometimes they stop writing. So that means that the consumer has less options. Supply and demand, when there's less options, prices go up. So I think that's important just from a baseline standpoint, because I was one of those guys that was listening to the podcast and I didn't know, I didn't know what that was. But having said that, I will tell you just another thing from what I've learned is in the beginning of an agency, uh, sales is king. Like sales cures all. And I think in the beginning of a life cycle, it depends on where you are, but we made a decision that we were, we we're going to take care of customers, right? We're going to do our best, but the resources that we were going to put forth 
were heavy sales. It was new business, new business, new business. Because if you can't get over a certain threshold, you're probably not even going to be in the game long time. And so um, that was a big deal. So it depends on where your cycle is. But now being, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, we've, we've got a, a, a multiple you know, seven figure revenue business to where the renewals are a significant portion of what we do. It is infinitely more important to take care of that customer that's with you than it is for the new business. So until you've, until you've solved that riddle, it's, it it seems incredibly uh, foolish to go spend money on client acquisition when you already have one, right? Like it's way less expensive to keep the customer than it is to go uh, acquire a customer, right? So I think it depends on the cycle that you're in, but here's what I've learned through that process is in the soft markets, we're not needed as much. Everybody, everybody loved, you know, five, six years ago in the homeowner's insurance game because the real estate market was great. They, business would come in. We had every carrier under the sun. Uh, we were not having to have uncomfortable conversations at all. Uh, we, we weren't having to talk to mortgage brokers and real estate uh, uh, professionals about the debt to income was too tight and the insurance is too high, right? Like we, that wasn't even a conversation. It was place it, done, thanks for coming. And we were pumping it out. Um, but then fast forward now to a hard market, it's way more difficult. There's way more tough conversations, but here's the beautiful part about it. Our value as an agency, as a professional, as an advisor to place insurance has gone as skyrocketed. Our stock has gone up a hundredfold to the partners that we serve. It's no longer just this commodity of get the insurance. It's you got to call Urban Young because I hope we can place insurance on this. Let's not make sure we run into a problem. So again, I don't want to be Mr. Positive, but I look at it as just a tremendous opportunity in a hard market to show what your value is. Um, and we all deal with this and every, and every, you know, we, we all complain that we're a commodity. We all complain that, you know, is this going to be, we're going to be automated. When you go through a hard market, especially what we're dealing with in Florida, there is no doubt we will be here for a very, very long time because the complexity and the, 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 the volatility and the intricacies that go into navigating the insurance market is, 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 is way more than what any computer to do. So, um, so on the sales side, I'd say that it's way more difficult. Yes, you don't get as many deals. Yes, you get to pass on some things, but the candidacy, the, my, my message is your value in the community goes up significantly in a hard market, even though your conversions might not be as high, which are going to pay, which are going to pay for itself in the next soft market because your traffic's going to increase and all of a sudden your conversion is going to go up. Um, so that, that's what I've learned in this cycle is just, you know, I didn't realize, I didn't realize how much more valuable we'd be when stuff got really crazy. Yeah. I, I love that you recognize that your, your stock went up, but that also means it's something you said earlier. Um, if you're feeling pain, so are your competitors. Well, if your stock went up, that means the guy down the road stock went up as well. Depends. It depends on how they approach uh, their craft. Sure. Yeah, um, sure. Sure. And in my opinion, again, is if you take 10 agents, I think there are a smaller minority of those agents that are doing it the right way. Now, okay. uh, the right way is subjective for me, but the right way. We were losing some business because we wouldn't cut we wouldn't cut some corners. We wouldn't place it. And then because they weren't doing inspections on these homes, right? Because they were just pumping them out. The carriers were just pumping them out. Then all of a sudden hard market hits 
And all this insurance business that was being placed incorrectly, not the right way, cutting corners, now doesn't fly. Now we've got drones flying over people's houses, checking their roofs, right? Like we've got some crazy stuff happening. And all of a sudden now those same agents had the reputation of being able to get the deal done, now have the reputation of they don't do it right. They're not going to close. So we watched this whole cycle once it shifted, that once they started placing business, they started getting cancellations and cancellations and cancellations and cancellations. So we've gotten this influx of business from referral partners who never used us before because we were more expensive or couldn't get the deal done. But now we're known as the guys that can get the deal done. We're known as the guys that are going to do it the right way. So the market has actually favored, a hard market favors a better agent. A soft market, anybody can win. It's all good, right? A, A hard market is where an actual expert, an advisor, somebody who knows their craft wins. So Depending on what psych you're in, depending on where you are, I would say you should be doing everything in your power to get ready for the next hard market. Because at that time and space is when the people that are most sought after are getting the phone calls, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Sorry. Yes, it does make sense. Um, I think that's really good. Uh, so beginning of 2021, as we're still talking about this, knowing, I'm assuming you knew going into 2021 about where things were going with the, the renewal commissions and the market and then pricing and everything else. Did that change your, I know you're a goals guy. Did that change your goals going into the year? Did that change your mindset? Did it change your culture? Did it change what you were doing in the agency? That's a good question. So yes, we get together, the three of us have a leadership meeting and, and for the, for the, just the principles and we set these goals and I will be candid with you looking at the market. It would, it was easy to say, Hey, let's just, let's make the number lower. And it's just your natural instinct, you know, like it doesn't, we all have that little voice in our head that kind of creeps in, especially when you talk to another agency and they're like, Oh, well, we had a, we only lost a certain amount of business this year. It was a pretty good year given the circumstances. That's been kind of the mantra that I've heard from so many agents. So it actually didn't. We we but but that wasn't without dialogue. I think that's a the fact that there's three of us is an advantage um, for us. It's, it could be a disadvantage for many reasons, but it can be an advantage because it allows us to have a, a lot of dialogue around everything. And so. If I say something that um, goes against the philosophy that the three of us have, because that fear is in the back of my mind, I got two guys that aren't going to let me get away with that. They're going to say, well, that doesn't make sense. Here's why. We talk about this. Is This is what we believe. So to answer your question, it, when we wrote it down on paper, it didn't because we decided this was a year of acquisition because everybody's going to be retreating. But at the, in the beginning, your natural instinct is to absolutely go there. So um, I think that's just a, I think that's a level of just accountability from good partners. Yeah, I was about to say, it's got to be, I wrote down the word accountability. And uh, I think that's really cool that you've got that with those partners. But I wondered if that, you know, with this going on, and some people in your agency may not have never been through like this. They they may have never been through that. And I know you're a culture guy. And if you haven't, listen to some of the other podcasts that uh, Brett's been on. But, um, you know, did that, you know, something you had to talk to them about? and. Was there some things that they struggled with? Be like, hey, why is it like this? What's going on? And frustration. Yeah, they're still struggling with it. I mean, they'll tell you every day. I mean, it's frustrating. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, there's a lot of fire drills. There's a lot of deals lost. There's a lot of deals that you get done. There's a lot of ones that have to be pivoted. There's a lot of ones that are tough to place. You're you're spending more time on something that used to be easy. Um, You know, it's, it's, you know, it's a battle, battlefield. So I think that's a continuous thing. Um, but maintaining a good message. And I think also too, we have some great leaders that are continuing to, 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 
to communicate that message and they embody that. But yeah, man, I mean, that's a, that's a daily, daily thing. We're having dialogues about, um, you know, citizens is, you know, the, the, the state funded last resort insurer for home, for property insurance in the state. We never wrote with citizens. I mean, we're in central Florida for, for we're not on the coast. We have Melbourne office, but here we're, we never right. even run on the coast. So the idea of placing something with citizens, we just never did it. We just said, well, we're not going to place it with citizens. It doesn't make any sense to place it with them. You know, it's not the best place for it. We don't write with it. And when this market shifts, we have tons of business going to citizens and we're in central Florida. That's how bad it is. And we've had dialogue with agents and we've had arguments on should we should we place the business there or should we hold our stance? And we've had to pivot and we've had to lean into the market. But that came through multiple dialogues. That's come with you know, you know, good arguments, good, good constructive arguments. But that has come through just listening and 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 collaborating. And so, yes, man, it's a continuous battle. Um, you have one agent that does it really well. And then you have another agent that is still doing it the way they used to, and they're learning from each other. So um, that cohesion between people in the office is really important. If you got two people, they're not big fans of each other. They're, they're not going to learn from each other, right? They're going to battle each other. But if you have a group of people that are, that are cohesive and that have the same agenda and that are after the same goal, they may have a different opinion, and they may even have an argument about it, but candidly, they're having an argument to figure out what's the best way to do it. Um, and I think that's that's one way that has served us well, where culture genuinely is a competitive advantage for that reason, because we've been able to kind of navigate and pivot based on everybody's collective experience, not based on what Brett says or what Taylor or what Rod says. Yeah, I uh, I got a, I got a sidebar from it. Y'all cannot see this, but this must be a regular occurrence for you to be sitting there just talking on a podcast. There's been so hold on, I'll show people. you. There's <laughs> so been ten we... or twelve people walk by. Look at that. You got okay. Uh, this will probably have to be edited, but that's cool. If not, it'll be fun. But you're just like sitting there talking, and everybody's just in and out. You know, respecting you in that. That's super cool. So it's it's great. So we have an open environment. I, I don't believe in closed. Uh, never had a closed office. I don't like closed offices. I want people to hear on the phone. I want people to, to, to listen to people's mistakes. I want them to be able to listen, learn. And because that's, that, that creates a significant amount of, um, you know, exponential, exponential education for somebody. I told him, I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to jump on a podcast. So try to be, you know, as inappropriate as you want to be, just know that you're recorded. So, right. <laughs> I, uh, I almost want you to just say something outlandish because they can't hear me right now just to see what kind of response you get out of them. Of, <laughs> I'm going to have to fire everybody today or something crazy. <laughs> you know, you know. They, w- uh, they wouldn't but, be phased. They're fun. Oh, uh, that'd be funny. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, I, I love that you have that kind of open environment. I wish we had more time to get into that, but we're going to have to wrap up here in a few minutes. But um, that being said, I do have something I've got to bring up. Um, and if I don't, I'll be mad at myself. So uh, what we're going to talk about today is I want you to ask, I want to ask you this about Mike Eckberg going to Vegas. Um, tell yeah. me about that because I saw that, I guess it's been a week or two ago or maybe a couple of days ago. I saw that and I was like, dude, that's a, an agency who gets it. And that is something cool. So tell me that story. Cause I love it. Oh, that's cool, man. So, um, so my brother, God, this was this was a while back, and we had, we, I think there was maybe two or three of us, and we wrote, we wrote a, we wrote a nice number. It was a, it was a nice number. It was a six figure number um, in premium, and you know we were celebrating, and uh, and Taylor said something to the to the extent of, you know, the next time we celebrate this, one person's going to hit this by themselves, and uh, if they do it. <laughs> 
I'm going to have to take him to Vegas. And we kind of held him to it. And, you know, Eckberg was like, well, then, you know, he's kind of like, if I do it, you're going to have to really do it. He's like, no, I promise that that's the case. And then fast forward a couple years later and lo and behold, he hit it. And uh, it was fun. He was tracking for it. And he's like, I'm going to hit this. And uh, we were kind of like laughing behind the scenes, like, wow, he could really, he actually really could hit this. And he ended up hitting it. And uh, so lo and behold, you know, Taylor, of course, said, I, there it is. Let's go. So they booked it out and then COVID happened and kind of postponed it. But yeah, they just got back maybe, I don't know, a month and a half ago. And uh, it was supposed to be uh, just him and Taylor. But of course, some of the guys were like, well, I'm going, if you're going to Vegas, I'm going to Vegas. So they all flew out there and we stayed there for a couple of days. And of course we took care of it. And um, you know, it was one of those times where they could just celebrate the win, but also just reflect and have some time to kind of just fellowship and uh kind of enjoy the moment so i was super proud not only of him but i was super proud of of taylor for following through and you know doing what you say you're going to do right it's that integrity of 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 what you said you you hold to that to that to that truth so but man it's it's that's the moments that i think we'll all look back on and go man those are the ones that i really cherish you know the hard market soft market this that the other that's great you know that's kind of the game but those are the ones that i look back and you know they meant something you know. Yeah, and that goes back to everybody in that room listening now and everybody that's been watching what you're doing, seeing that integrity and seeing that you live up to your promises and, and Taylor Taylor, right, does what he says he's gonna do. Yeah. You know, now they believe you. Next time you throw out the gauntlet and say, Hey, you know, here's what we're gonna do, guys. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. If you make this, we're going to Vegas and we're right. going to Arkansas to go see the mayor. There you go. You're, uh, you're going to live up to that. I think that's super cool. Uh, I saw that. I was like, that is a super cool story that you don't hear very often in agencies. And so, you know, especially going back to the beginning of your story um, about, you know, getting promises not fulfilled. So good for you for, for going full circle on that and for, for doing that. That's awesome. Um, Thanks man. I appreciate that. You know, I, I I got so many other things I really want to get into, but man, we are just, Running out of time because I let you talk too much. And I talk too much. <laughs> and we just, we played show and tell with your office. Golly, guys, <laughs> that's my fault. I let it get away from me. I'm just kidding. No, this has been awesome. I've really had a, a good, good time. And so um, it just felt like two dudes talking. I forgot we were even doing a podcast. But, I love that. Um, how cool was that? So, um, you know, I've noticed, I will ask you one more thing. Maybe we can do. If I could, you know, two guys that like to talk, I'm about to hold you to five or six minutes here. But I have noticed lately on your content on LinkedIn, I'm a big LinkedIn guy. You know, you focused a lot of your stuff on educating your clients on how to be a good, you know, commercial client or a better, whatever the term is. You know, I think that's cool because so many agents, even to this day, we've been social selling for years. They still want to sell online. I, I think it's super cool that you're educating first. Um, yeah. You talk to me about that a little bit. Um, you know, I'm going to yeah. put a lot on you for five minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, take as long as you want. Yeah. They, no, I appreciate that, man. Um, you know, we, so right behind me, um, we built out a full studio um, just for social and uh, we, long story short, we had rebranded the company and we hired a big firm, big, big, big time, you know, um, marketing firm. And about a year into that situation, found out that A, that is extremely expensive, number one. And number two, uh, we were getting away from who we were and it wasn't authentic. Um, And 
out of necessity, again, of figuring it out, we decided to just, we were going to vertically build that in. Um, and our, our power was our story. And that's what we did early on was tell our story. Um, so the best way for us to continue to perpetuate that and be able to scale the telling of our story is through social. Um, so, and, and obviously culture is a huge deal for us in creating that internal tribe. So we made a decision that we we're just going to take that same strategy and create an external tribe. So still to this day, we're still figuring out, man. And, and social is one of those platforms that we get to tell that story. Um, but yeah, it's, it is one of the things that I think people make a mistake is, uh, you know, trying to sell online is not the place. Um, it's trying to make people fall in love with who you are is that's the place for social. And if people feel a certain way when they watch or consume your content, then you have personal branding. It's not just about somebody remembering who you are. It's about somebody feeling a certain way when your name comes up. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love seeing when people lead with education, uh, when people lead with, you know, trying to, you know, meet their clients where they are and not, you know, buy this for me uh, or our rates just went down um, yeah. or whatever it may be. I think that's super cool. So kudos to you. I think that's awesome. One of the things I think I think about all the time when I post, because I'm still, we're still figuring it out too, man. Like, you know, it's one of the things I think about to myself every time I post, and it, I know I don't do a good job of it all the time, but I ask myself, would somebody share this? Would somebody share this? And if they would share it, then you're on to something, you know, our rates just dropped. They're not going to share it. Right. Like, so no. the power of social is people can share things. So every time I about to push send, I ask myself, you know, would somebody randomly share this with their friends? Um, and if they, if they wouldn't, then I need to go back to the drawing board and do a better job. That's great. I hadn't thought about that. I like that. Would somebody share this? And so that's really good. Um, dude, I, I've loved this conversation. It's already been an hour. Uh, it, that's crazy to me. It feels like 10 minutes ago, but uh, <laughs> we've rambled it. our way through a great podcast. Um, are you still doing your podcast real quickly? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, okay, we are. Um, um, tell them, you know, give me that, you know, some of that. Cause I, I really think that's cool. And I've listened to several of them. I want to make sure you were still doing it. Uh, tell them, tell the audience about that so they can come over and find you there. And then maybe after that, uh, follow up with some, con uh, some contact information for you and then we'll close this sucker out. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So we started a podcast called the Be Extraordinary Podcast, um, and it's business, personal development, and leadership. It's not necessarily insurance driven. Um, you know, we, we have a saying in here that we're a personal development company that happens to sell insurance. Um, that's where our true heart is. That's where my blood flows through. And that's what we, you know, it's the how to thinks. Um, so we started a platform for Taylor, Rod, and I to get together because, you know, we're always running in different directions. So it's just one of those moments where we get to hang out and we have some guests on the show and we just talk about everything leadership entrepreneurship business and we've had some guests so so if you we're on all the podcasts um you know apple we're on spotify all those places you just look up the be extraordinary podcast um and then man yeah to, to contact information uh urbanyoung.com you can always reach out at the website but but candidly social is the best way to, to to reach out it's such a great way to connect and i've fallen in love with just the insurance community online right now there's just a lot of cool young operators that are really poised to just make each other better so yeah man just 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 throw me a linkedin connect or uh, i'm on the gram um you know so just yeah reach out and it's i've met you know that's how we've connected and i think it's an awesome way to stay in touch so i appreciate you sharing that yeah dude you make it sound so cool i'm on the gram i'm on the gram baby yeah i, I love it so 
Uh, you make it sound so much cooler than I do. I'm on Instagram, <laughs> guys. Come find me on Instagram. But uh, no, I, I think it's awesome. Uh, I think you're really cool. I think what you're doing in Urban Young is awesome. Uh, the conversations you and I have had um, on LinkedIn, great. I'm glad to finally get to see your beautiful face on camera. It's Thanks, awesome. buddy. <laughs> uh, let's continue to stay in touch, guys. Uh, you know, it's been a treat. Thank you. Uh, no, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It's been an honor to be on the, when you asked me to be on the show. Of course, I was tickled to death. I love what you're doing. You're giving tons you. of value to your audience. And, you know, candidly, if, if somebody's not listening to your stuff, they're, they're missing it. So you do man, a great I, job. I appreciate that. So thanks for coming out. Let you get back to your awesome crew behind you there in front of you. And uh, have a great day, brother. Thanks, Heath. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, bro. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and Mr. Brett Young today. Man, that was so much fun. I really hope that you got as much out of it as I did. I hope the content we brought you made you a better insurance professional. Uh, Guys, I I appreciate every single week. If you have not subscribed, please go and subscribe. If you haven't found me on LinkedIn, go to Insurance Town on LinkedIn and like it, follow it. Uh, Go to my Facebook pages, Twitter, uh, Instagram, whatever pages you can find, either Heath Sheeran, myself, or Insurance Town Podcast. Guys, also keep the feedback coming. Uh, Keep letting me know. I've had several of you email me with guest ideas. I've had a bunch of you ask me about certain content you want to hear about or just telling me thank you. I I get it every week, and I love it. If you've never emailed me before or never reached out, please do. It's Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. Check out the website. Uh, Go subscribe and like all the pages you can find me on. It really does mean a lot to me. Today's episode was edited and produced by my man, Ryan, over at Ready Set Podcast. If you have an idea for your own show, that dude is so good. Oh my gosh, he's good. Get ReadySetPodcast.com. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.